Shane Carroll of Sydney's For All Eternity Meets with the Antidote. Thanks for coming, Shane. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Tell everyone how warm it is in Sydney today. Uh, at the moment, it is 40 degrees Celsius, so quite <laughs> hot, quite hot. And when you drop the zero off of that, that is our temperature, 4 degrees here today. <laughs> Isn't that just unreal? For All Eternity has some pretty deep roots in the city of Sydney. When did the band start up? Yeah, so uh, we've been a band since, I mean, 2008. We we sort of formed and we're just jamming out and... You know, that's that's quite a while ago. We started playing shows oh, very sparsely in 2009 uh, and sort of started touring in 2010. Um, we didn't actually get our debut record out until 2012. Um, you know, but through the course of the band and in the early days and beginning, you know, I guess our participation in the in the local scene here in Sydney was, you know, was critical to our growth as a band. So we always, always had a really great time playing in Sydney and, We've always had a really great following here. So, yeah, no, it's been some time, but, yeah, we've, we've seen some pretty good opportunities here in Sydney. Australia has quite a significant metal scene. Yeah, we do. And I've always wondered this, with For All Eternity having Christian themes, has it been easy for you to fit in there? Um, it's interesting, that. I mean, in some ways, we definitely um, have benefited from being a little different in that sense. And having a, a different set of beliefs to majority of the metal acts in Australia. I mean, there, you know, just like anything, there are, there are positives and there are negatives when you're talking about, you know, a religious affiliation and a set of beliefs. Um, so I couldn't tell you that it's been all positive, but I couldn't tell you that it's been all negative either. Well, I know something that's true about Canadian bands is that they have a rough time touring Canada because there's these huge distances between shows. You guys have done a lot of touring over the years. Is it the same situation yes. for Aussie bands? Absolutely. So uh, we only have a handful of capital cities. So I, it's only pretty much works out to be five capital cities here in Australia that we tour to frequently. I mean, we're talking, okay, there's from uh, Brisbane to Sydney. So Brisbane's in Queensland, Sydney's in New South Wales. That is a 11-hour drive. And then you go on from Sydney to Melbourne is a nine-hour drive, and then you go on from Melbourne to Adelaide, which is an eight-hour drive. Uh, and then on the west coast, um, there's a capital city there called Perth. I mean, it's it's too expensive to drive there. From Adelaide, it would take you, um, I think it's something like 39 to 40 hours to drive there. Oh, man. Um, across a desert, which we don't, we don't actually ever do. We've flown over there a few times just because it's uh, more financially viable than to put the wear and tear on the vehicle. and um, But, yeah, you know, very limited places to tour here in Australia. But, you know, we've over the years we've been involved in some really great tours and we've even toured to some more regional places sort of off the, off the beaten track. So, yeah, we've made do with a pretty great assortment of, of city and country shows here in Australia. Well, you know, with For All Eternity being in Australia, the chances of me ever seeing one of your live shows is just about zero. I'm going to get you to make it up to me. Describe your show. Describe our show. I would say um, it's a very intense show. I think that um, myself and the guys absolutely throw ourselves at the performance to the point where after the show, we're all just sort of gasping for air not really leaving anything left behind. Um, 
it is quite energetic. It is quite big and cinematic. You know, we're we're very passionate group of people. We're a very passionate band. So when we do play our songs, we we give it everything we have. Um, but uh, don't count your chances so slim because I mean we we are very fortunate to be in talks with a few different people over in the over in North America about touring there. Uh, hopefully sometime in 2018. So. Not all hope is lost in that uh, in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll keep my fingers crossed about that one. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and since your shows are so exhausting, we'll make sure that they have some paramedics there with stretchers to carry you off stage. Absolutely. That would be lovely. I tend to go bright red after our shows. I absolutely smash myself. And then after the show, I just I sit in one spot and I try and not move for at least 30 minutes until I bring bring myself back down to earth and sort of get some composure about myself. But uh, <laughs> it's absolutely worth it, mate. We, you know, especially with this new music that we're putting out, it's it's uh, very intense. It's very, very large sounding music. So I'm really excited to, to play that in a live context. I guess everyone always describes music as being universal, but with your band being located in Australia, it's got to make it difficult for all eternity to get your music noticed. Absolutely, and I think there is definitely an understanding from heavy bands in Australia uh, that things need to be done a little differently. You know, we've seen a lot of great artists come out of Australia over the past few years uh, that I guess are, in their own right, reinventing heavy music. You know, really great bands like North Lane and In Hearts Wake and uh, Die Out is Murder, and you know, there's a lot of really big bands coming out of Australia that are that are questionably, you know, industry front runners these days, just because of the nature of being in a place so far, far away. You can't get by just being another band. You have to do something outrageous. You have to do something completely unique with your music and with your craft for people to really take notice. Um, and you know, in some sense of the word, being Australian has been a bit of a, a thing for a while. Oh, this band's from Australia. They must be awesome sort of thing. Um, but it's probably died off a little bit, that sort of fandom around, oh, I'm going to listen to these guys because they're from down under, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, no, I think there's definitely a, a broad awareness uh, with heavy music artists here in Australia to be reinventing the craft a little bit and thinking outside the box to, to gain that notice. Uh, just for the fact that we can't just hop in a van and tour the States in six months out of the year, you know what I mean? Before we even plant our feet um, on American soil, you know, we have to spend thousands of dollars in flights and, and gear hire and all the different stuff that would come so simply to a band that is, is an American band or is somewhere neighbouring close by. So, yeah, no, I definitely think that there's something to Australian bands um, – in terms of working out a different sort of avenue to get that coverage uh, because, I mean, the, the industry is so massive and there's so many bands out there and there's so much noise on social media. You're really fighting for people's attention. And I guess the yeah. one other major problem you get is doing interviews with outfits that are based in North America, like The Antidote. <laughs> oh, no, that's no problem at all. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, have, I have done a few interviews on this, uh, this promo cycle um, where I've had to be up at about, I think it was 3 a.m., which was not heaps great. <laughs> but, uh, 
But uh, you know, it's 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 no problem at all to speak with lovely people like yourself, mate. It's no trouble for me at all. Oh, lovely people, yeah. You don't really know me, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> well, before the band signed to Facetown Records, you did the independent thing. What was for all eternity like as a band musically during those early days? Uh, well, I mean, Face Down didn't come into the picture until 2015. So we're talking, you know, five, six years of For All Eternity before we partnered up with Face Down. Um, I, I would say that it was a much more immature version of ourselves. Um, the record that we released on Face Down in 2015 uh, was written prior to Face Down even being on the, on the map for us as a band. Um, I guess we were on our ways to becoming a more mature band, a more professional band. But I mean, if we're talking 2010, 2011, 2012, we're just, we're just kids, you know, we're in our early twenties, uh, just touring around with our mates. And, you know, we got some really great supports and, you know, playing under some really influential bands, bands that we've loved, um, listening to growing up. And, you know, we've had some really great opportunities. I feel like, when we're a bit younger and, you know, taking some of those opportunities, maybe took some of them a, a bit for granted, I guess. Um, and I, if I look back and think, man, we did that, um, I, I feel a bit more appreciative now than what I think I was at the time. Fortunately, you know, we've played with some amazing bands. I'm sure you're aware of the band Skillet. Oh, yes. Yeah. We actually played with them in Sydney in 2011 to a sold-out crowd. At a, uh, at a venue called the Metro Theatre, and it was super sold out. They turned away 500 people at the door because the venue was just at plus capacity. And to have members of Skillet come up to our band after we played and say, yo, you guys are so awesome. We love your band. We love your music. Like a few of the members were saying that they predominantly listen to heavy music, even though they're more of a rock sort of act. Don't get me wrong, at the time I was like, man, I was absolutely fanboying that a bit. But now I look <laughs> back and I think, Skillet are just like crazy big. And for them to have said that about a bunch of kids just not really knowing what they're doing at the time, you know, <laughs> was really, yeah, a really nice gesture for them. Um, I mean, there's a few other things that, you know, that have happened that at the time I maybe my headspace wasn't right or. Maybe I was just understating how great an opportunity it was. But uh, definitely now in hindsight, I look back and I think, man, we've done some amazing, amazing things. And I mean, you know, we're, we're fortunate and hopeful all at the same time to uh, do some more amazing things with the band moving forward. It must be surreal for you playing with bands that you've enjoyed listening to. Absolutely. I mean, if we even if we speak of Face Down Records, I was such a fan of the label and the, and the bands they were putting out. I remember in 2008 when we were, me and our guitarists uh, were on our way to band prac. I remember I'd purchased a, a merch bundle that had a Face Down Records CD sampler in it, and I hadn't heard of them at the time. And I popped it in the CD player, and I heard, you know, amazing, amazing artists like Impending Doom and, and For Today and A Plea for Purging, and I'm just like, these bands are incredible and I just fell in love with the label, fell in love with the artists and 
who would have known that years down the track we would have signed to the same label and put out music alongside the same bands and, and play shows alongside the same bands. So it's really a bit of a bucket list thing, if I think about it, for me to be in this band that is now, you know, signed to Face Down Records as, I mean, we're pretty much their exclusive Australian act in almost 17 years. They've never signed any other band from Australia, so we've got that sort of special thing that we're, you know, involved in this label that is always predominantly, you know, signing homegrown artists over there in the States. You know, these days you just got to count your blessings because, I mean, we've got plenty to be thankful for. A little bit earlier you'd mentioned about your label debut on Face Down, Metanoia. Yeah, that did right. great on the charts and got rave reviews. It certainly did. You know, it was described as being breathtaking and dynamic. I'm not going to disagree. I mean, I love the album. But it also brought in more of the melodic metalcore style. It did. It did. You also tagged a major guest on Unharness, brought in Maddie Montgomery, for today. That's correct. Were you able to actually have Maddie in the studio with you, or was it one of those remote things? Um, it was remote. I mean, we toured with Four Today in 2011 in Australia, and we formed a bit of a friendship with those guys. Um, so interestingly, Maddie, when he did the guest spot on our new record, he couldn't be with us in the studio at the time, but he came into the studio uh, when he was on tour with Four Today. He was passing through um, the town that we recorded the record in. We, we actually recorded our Metanoia album with Brian Hood, in Nashville, Tennessee, mm -hmm. in 2013. Um, and I think some while after that, Maddie was passing through town. And, oh, you know, me and Maddie were in touch. At the time, we were quite heavily in touch and we spoke a lot. And, you know, they were really great guys and really uplifting of us and really supportive of our band. So, you know, he was more than happy to jump on the record and he just popped in the studio. Actually, um, when we recorded our first record, um, Beyond the Gates, in 2000 and 12 maddie and his family did pop into the studio in nashville when we were there and we hung out and we had a bit of a day out and and uh yeah spent some time with him and you know they've toured australia a few times and even throughout those few years i just remember either maddie would be over in australia on tour or preaching and we'd hang out or i'd be over the states recording or doing something and we'd hang out and for a few years there it was almost every say 10 12 months at a time we'd just catch up and it'd be really great and I mean, we asked Matty to be part of the record. We're a big fan of his band for today, and I think he's a, an absolutely amazing vocalist. We we're very fortunate to get him on the record, and um, I think the end result sounds great. But like you were saying about Metanoia a little earlier, uh, definitely super melodic uh, metal album. I guess comparatively to our new record, it's probably a bit more comfortable, um, but not not without its purpose, not without its uh, its time served and, you know, helping our band forge our sound and move forward. You know, we were talking about the um, Metanoia being our debut on Face Down Records. Um, something really amazing to go hand in hand with what you were saying about how well it charted and how well it was, was received is actually that it was the second highest selling debut album in Face Down Records' entire history, which is amazing. Wow. For a couple of guys from from down under to achieve, so we're pretty happy with that. It's uh, <laughs> pretty surreal. So we both agree that Metanoia is great, but really, I think you've topped that on the will to rebuild. Oh, fantastic! I appreciate that, mate. It's great, and it's different from the previous releases. 
you've given it a theme also. Yes, absolutely. No, it is it is a very apparent departure from the For All Eternity sound that, you know, people are familiar with. And, you know, some people that are really affectionate towards the music our band's done in the past, you know, some people, even though they love the new record, they're a little taken back that our style has changed and what they expected this new release to be wasn't that. But we're finding that most commonly people are pleasantly surprised, which is great. They're all upset because they've seen that you've come out of the closet and admitted that you're actually an emo band? <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. This is an emo metal record, 100%. It's very emotive. It's super emotional, absolutely. No question about the, the content being really um, heartfelt and really raw, really honest. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I, I think I think people are finding it uh, to be very refreshing in a, in a genre that's otherwise predictable. It's predictable, and also it's not as revealing, and that's the difference mm. with this release, because it doesn't yeah. fit that typical metal persona. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, I think in metal, bands just want to be tough and really you know, strong and powerful. Um, But I feel like it's severely understated, the kind of power that can be derived from honest emotion. Um, Just being really, really raw and personal with with the content. I mean, you know, in the past, you know, the content we've put out has always been hypotheticals and, you know, a point of view or an an intention of, of stirring hope in people, which is a great thing, you know. I feel like, um, in the past, you know, having that sort of perspective and that outlook and that viewpoint uh, from the band in the tracks has definitely been able to serve its purpose in in helping people to overcome their own struggles. And, you know, you want to stir hope. You want to help people with music. And um, I guess this record is decidedly less hopeful in the, <laughs> as strange as it may sound, but you know, I um, I mean, the, the content is very personal to me. I went through some pretty serious serious life transitions last year that, that saw me in, in the most difficult place I've ever found myself in my entire life. So, um, you know, talking about that honestly and openly on the record, as, as difficult as it was, uh, also it was completely liberating. I do get the intention of the album name, The Will to Rebuild, because obviously people fall into rough times in their lives, as you mentioned yourself, but then they sit there with their problems. You really get into that specifically on the album single, Derailed. Uh, absolutely. So Derailed, I mean, with the album, we um, had very specifically intended for tracks to have a visual setting. And the, the track Derailed is lyrically visually musically is technically a runaway freight train and i mean the freight train itself is symbolic of life and how you know we're living this life that you know is just it's always moving and it's ever changing and it's always going forward but in the most crazy circumstances our life can just be completely derailed um our life can be turned on its head and, and taken from us even um you know this life we lead is a volatile one and a, and a difficult one um, but we've got to embrace the things we love. We've got to embrace the things that we care about rather than trying to just get by in life. We need to live life. And um, 
there's not enough emphasis on that in the world, I don't think. Um, and, you know, we're all part of this machine that is, you know, society. And uh, I just think that if you're getting up in the morning, you're going to work and you're, you know, doing these things that you're almost told to do um, to be a valuable member of society, yet there's there's no vilification of that. There's nothing that, in turn, you're turning around and, and passionately doing with your life, then what's it worth, really? And these hardships we go through as well, you know, I've learned in my own life, especially over the last couple of years, that the pain you experience shouldn't stop you from living your life. The pain is part of life, and if you're letting it stop you from getting up in the morning, just like it did for myself, if you're letting it stop you from getting up in the morning and walking out the door and leading your life, then there's something wrong and something needs to change. I mentioned earlier about the band bringing in more of that melodic influence on Metanoia. I think for all eternity, really has perfected that on the will to rebuild. On the new album, you've given the music more room to breathe. Yeah, uh, interesting you say that because we've always been a very guitar-driven band. So, you know, the melodic elements you've seen from us in the past is almost entirely centralized around our guitars. Um, I mean, in some elements, absolutely, the, the singing, uh, the singing vocals from our drummer, Michael, um, but almost always the guitars. So, I mean, even in terms of the writing process, we would have written the guitars and it would have just been like, okay, here's the, here's the guitar riff, write everything else around that. Whereas this time, as you said, the guitars have more room to breathe. Everything is decidedly spaced out and has its own purpose and its own fixture within the, the musical soundscape that we've created. Um, so there's a very large cinematic element to the record that is almost akin to you know, what we would describe as a, a movie soundtrack you know, really large instrumentation and sounds that are almost orchestral in some sense um, that we had accounted for before we even started writing guitars and how emotive the vocals are and how emotive um, the delivery of the vocals are and the content of the lyrics was all decided prior to a song foundation being laid. So instead of our guitarist Nick writing a riff and then saying, hey, Shane, do this, I would flip that around and say, I want to sing about this. I want this track to sound like a freight train powering through. And then Nick would write the track based off that vision. You know, every track on the album actually has a visual setting. So every track on the album is written to sound like it's set in a certain place. And now and we have another track, we have Fallout. The visual setting is in a burning house. Um, and, I mean, it, it's amazing what you can do when you, I guess, start writing music with the intention of having it sound like a physical something. So definitely a completely different stylistic approach to writing this material this time around. Something that makes the music of For All Eternity really quite dramatic is how you do the vocals. I mean, they're split virtually equally between screams and clean. Do you yes. enjoy that kind of balance? I do, yes. So our band and our, our brand of music has always been the contrast between myself and Michael vocally. I write all the vocal parts, including all the singing and all the melodies, 
Um, so when I guess I'm writing a song structure uh, for vocals, I'm very mindful of, of both both entities and always making sure they get an even playing field and even runtime. Um, I mean, evidently this this record, um, the Will to Rebuild, is probably more in the realm of screaming, but that's before you take into account that my screaming has evolved from just a monotonous mid sort of scream <laughs> to to actually being a more living breathing adaptation of screaming where I'm actually screaming some singing melodies within the screams uh, and being a lot more raw. And I mean, I, I've completely overhauled my vocal style instead of just screaming a, a bit of a style. Um, I'm doing more yelling and more of my own voice in the, delivery as well um so i mean in terms of this record versus the last you're seeing a lot more experimentation from myself and michael vocally in every right really um you know you're hearing me sing you're hearing michael scream we're blurring the line between where i stop and where he starts whereas before it was the stark contrast that we were so desiring you know the really low screams with the really high singing but now I scream and then off the back of that, Michael screams and then I sing and Michael sings and it's it's not so clear defined anymore. And people have even had to ask me, is this you singing or is this Michael singing or is this you screaming or Michael screaming? Which I think is fantastic. I think myself and Michael have an amazing bond vocally. I think we both bring completely unique elements to the table and I think together it just works. It's so interesting that you've done that because vocalists virtually never change their style. Yeah, this is right. I mean, I guess to pair with the really emotive change in the music, we decided that, you know, the vocals had to change as well. I guess I've been noticing in heavy music, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an avid fan. I listen to heavy music all the time. If I'm listening to anything at all, it's something heavy. On occasion, I will jam out to something a little slower, a little bit, a little bit more... I guess relaxing, I should say. <laughs> but um, no, I've, I've definitely noticed in heavy music lately that there's been a bit of a lack of creativity in that realm of, of screaming and heavy vocalization. So this is, I guess, my spin on a a refresh in the genre. This is this is my contribution to wanting to take a step forward and wanting to realise a potential to move forward. And this is my take on what could be the I don't know, the, the new way of things to just be very raw, very emotional and, um, and to notate screams as well, to have melodies within the screams rather than just your monotonous rah, rah, rah stuff. For All Eternity gave the album a resolution on the final song, Clearer. It has the line, I'm waiting for the hands that mend to make me whole again. Do you want to embellish on that? Well, I mean... I myself right now am far and away better mentally and emotionally than when I wrote the record. But um, at the time, um, speaking to our guitarist about what we wanted to convey with the record, and you know, it is, as I've mentioned, it is a quite a hopeless record in in all of its lyrical content. For the fact that at the time I was completely hopeless in in myself, in my head, in my heart, um, and that lyric. Um, I'm waiting for the hands that men to make me whole again is basically a cry for help for anyone or anything to make the pain go away. And what was it that changed you that brought you out of these struggles? 
Um, if I'm very honest, I think it was, I mean, I think it was a few things. I think writing this record and getting my emotion out onto paper, onto these tracks, a thousand percent helped me on my way down the path to recover from that, you know, really difficult place. Um, but I think it was just time for me. I think it was just time to really see value in continuing my life. You know, when you think your whole world is just walked away from you, so it's like, well, what's the point in living anymore? Um, but um, I think just time played its role, you know, in um, in a track on the, on the album called The Vacated. I actually gave that notion a bit of a nod, and in one of the lyrics is, this pain is shaping who I am though time is taking me away from this. So I, I just think it was a, a time thing. I mean, since I've gone through all the crappy stuff, it's been maybe 14 months now, so it's still pretty fresh, absolutely. Um, but I'm in my mind, I'm more optimistic than ever. For life, I'm more optimistic with what my future holds, and, you know, I'm waiting for the hands that mend to make me whole again. You know, maybe I am still in a place where I'm waiting for that, that moment to, to come. But um, it's not to say that I'm without hope right now. Well, Shane, thanks for being so honest about this. And best of luck with the will to rebuild. And thanks for taking time for the antidote. That was a fantastic. I do appreciate it, mate. Thank you.